Hello, TechLore community. Today, we are very, very lucky to have Douglas Truman join us for an interview about privacy, freedom, Monero, and more. Lots of great stuff lined up for us today. Definitely tune in for this entire interview because it's going to be fantastic. And it's from Monero Talk, where he's interviewed people in the privacy community, Monero community, Monero developers, and other amazing guests. And he is here to join us to talk to us about what he's passionate about. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's I got to correct you, though. It's uh, thank tu you. Tuman, not Truman. Although, when I ran for Congress, uh, <laughs> that, that was the easiest way to get people to remember my name. I'd be like, Truman without the R. So, Tuman. Well, thanks for correcting me, because then I would have had to re-record the intro in post and do that all in editing. So, um, I guess we'll just keep that in, in my embarrassing mistake. Actually, that's a really good... You started with your political stuff. So, you ran for Congress in 2020. What was the decision-making process behind that? Why did you do that? How did it go? Well, just tell me about that. Yeah, it was it was really out of a love for Monero, cryptocurrency, digital cash. I kind of saw where the puck was heading with regards to governments potentially trying to clamp down on crypto, and in particular, coins like Monero um, because of their you know their their privacy nature. And so that that's kind of what got me out of my seat and why I decided to run. I was concerned that if the debate did take place on the floor of Congress with regards to whether or not something like Monero should be banned, that nobody would be there making what I thought were the, the, the valid, strong arguments for why Monero actually aligns with the ideals of America and is, and is not contrary to them. And that, that's why I ran. Uh, so it's, it's really out of, out of a motivation to, to preserve liberty. And that was my, my motivating factor, believe it or not. That's very cool. Um, yeah, it, was, it caught me off guard because I actually knew you first from the Monero talk. And then seeing that you ran was kind of a, like, oh. I, it's interesting because we, we try to involve ourselves in politics, but very few of us actually consider running for Congress. Um, that seems like a big commitment. What was it like to actually be on that campaign? Oh, it was tre tremendous commitment. I mean, the other reason I did it is because I am uh, involved in, the, in my local Republican Party in a very big way. I have a lot of kind of connections there and networks. Uh, so it wasn't like I was just some outsider saying, you know, I want to run for Congress. I, I've worked on campaigns before. I, I knew what I was getting myself into, but I didn't realize how how much of a commitment it really was going to be until I did it. And yeah, it was it was overwhelming. It was great. It was an amazing experience. I might do it again. I have a lot of people egging me on. We did we did very well, uh, better than anybody expected because we ran in what was is primarily a Democratic. Uh, district and I ran on the Republican line, um, but the, I'd say the hardest or most stressful part about it was really just staying true to myself and my ideals, and not allowing people or groups pull me in in a direction that I didn't want to be pulled towards. And that's really what you what you're up against when you when you get into politics. Uh, because everybody wants you to, you know, support their cause 
which is fine. That makes sense. But you just have to make sure you don't lose yourself while you're doing that and you don't start to make empty promises. So the Monero thing was very simple because that's something I believe in and I, I would never sway from it. And really, I always went back to my core values of, of liberty uh, in, in pretty much wherever I, you know, whenever an issue faced me, I would kind of use these kind of core principles to determine where I stood on an issue. And I, I use that to kind of be my my anchor. Um, I like that as whether I think you're Democratic or Republican or whatever political party who's listening, I think pretty much everyone can agree that they wish that their politicians uh, would be a little more truthful in what they, they want to actually achieve and not just cater to what everyone's trying to get them to do. Easier said than done. No, I mean, the, the pressure I believe it. is very, is very difficult. Uh, and then, you know, you have people attacking you. It's, you know, we, we experienced it in crypto Twitter too, right? Like, uh, or, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you experienced it as well. You're, you're kind of becoming a, a public figure, um, people attacking you for certain things. You may, you may express things in some way that people don't agree with. But... Oh, don't. Yeah, no, like, yeah. Uh, we, we, I have to constantly send reminders and I have to be reminded in our team group chat. We're not going to please everyone. We, we speak highly of a project in a review. The people who love that project go, you didn't love it enough. The people who hate the project go, why do you even love the project? And it, there's, there's just no pleasing people. We might do a tutorial. It becomes outdated. Oh, I guess they made a bad tutorial. And I'm sure that you you experienced the same thing. Oh, they said they're going to do this. They did it, but not quite as good as we wanted. And there's lots of confirmation bias in these things as well, because you'll see two people accuse you of doing the direct opposite thing, <laughs> which is always fun. Yeah. yeah. And actually, so I, I think it's important to really dive into the crypto route because much of our audience is involved in cryptocurrencies, but a lot of them are just here for privacy and security. And they um, may have never dabbled in cryptocurrencies. They might not see a use case for it. Um, so let's start there, actually, in regards to more of the technical discussions. I think the big question, which should segue pretty well into what you care about, is Bitcoin anonymous? Is Bitcoin anonymous? Uh, no. Well, I mean, there's ways in which you can try to stay anonymous in Bitcoin. It's pseudonymous, um, but it's all the transactions take place on a transparent ledger, which anybody can see. In theory, you don't know who controls what public address, uh, but once those connections are made, once you connect people to their addresses, it loses its anonymity and you can then thereafter track everybody's transactions. And that's kind of the fear and that's what's taking place. So theoretically, it could, it could be anonymous uh, if used correctly. But in reality, uh, given that there's a lot of people that want to connect identities to people's wallets... Uh, it it effectively is not anonymous. So how come everyone seems to think Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are anonymous? That's a very good question. Uh, I mean, I myself thought that when I first got involved in crypto and I was very excited about it. Um, I think people just assume when they, you know, a peer-to-peer -peer digital, when you read the white paper, a peer-to-peer -peer digital cash system, I think people assume it's anonymous, uh, Literally, when we when we call it cash, right? We assume that uh, anonymity goes along with that. 
and you know the way it was initially used um it was used its initial use case was uh on dark markets right that's where we saw people initially start to use it and so i think everybody then assumed all right if people are using this on dark marketplaces then it must be an anonymous little did they know it's it's quite the opposite uh and i think it's just misinformation it's just people not understanding te- technology although i think it is changing rapidly now uh people are beginning to become aware and then you have those that as they do become aware are actually starting to highlight the fact that it's not anonymous or um you know that it's that it's transparent they're trying to starting to highlight that as a positive instead of instead of a negative uh because all right well because it's transparent we could view all these transactions uh you know people it's a, it's a great way to uh audit those that use it you know let's governments are using bitcoin it's great we'll know how they're using their money it's also great because it will reduce the amount of fraud and nefarious things that can take place if we know where money is flowing. So what's happening now is I think people are becoming aware, but the spin is now, okay, well, actually, it, it's good that uh, you can see these transactions. Some obviously in the Bitcoin community disagree with that, but uh, those that just want the number to go up, so to speak, that see it as uh, you know a way to just... Uh, have their have their fiat value increase are almost okay with the fact that it's transparent and see it as a positive. So how does Monero, how, how does it differ from Bitcoin in that way? Yeah, so same, same basic technology, blockchain. Um, so trend, you know, you have all these, these nodes coming to consensus on what transactions took place who's sending what to whom and making sure there's no double spends. So all that same magical stuff that happens with blockchain that, that Bitcoin essentially invented, uh, solving the Byzantine general's problem, so to speak. But the ledger itself is obfuscated, so you can't see the amounts. So there, you know, if you go look up, try to look up a Bitcoin transaction, there's, you don't see any amounts. Uh, that's obfuscated with confidential transactions. Uh, you don't know who who sent the transaction because of a technology called ring signatures. So you can't tell which uh, who actually signed a transaction. Uh, it's a group of people that, you know, that you, it's like one of these 11 people uh, may be the signer. You don't know which one. And you don't know what address it's going to using something called stealth addresses. So there's actually no address to even go look up on the blockchain to see what was received. So those three technologies in combination effectively create uh, something where you don't know who's sending what to who. who. So if that's the case, um, if someone is interested in privacy, is there any, and yes, I'm kind of fishing a little bit for responses, but um, is there really much incentive for someone to be using Bitcoin over Monero? If their goal is privacy, if their goal is is privacy, absolutely not. Uh, you know, if their if their goal is using digital digital cash, I'd say absolutely, absolutely not. I, I don't know. You know, it. I no, <laughs> there is no reason. I mean, the only reason is if you're you know you're concerned about, or if your incentive is really, I guess, about 
uh, you know, making an investment with the hope that it goes up in, in price. Uh, Bitcoin is doing a better job at selling itself as digital gold. While although fundamentally speaking, I think it, it lacks certain aspects that would make it digital gold, it's doing a good job at convincing investors, uh, large investors, that it is the, 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 the coin that you should be storing your value in. I could get into why I, I think ultimately it shouldn't be viewed as that. But if you're just looking to make transactions, let's ignore store of value. It's just for purposes of making transactions. There's really no reason why you would use Bitcoin over Monero. Yeah, well, let's dive into that. So do you see crypto as an investment or an asset with a use case in the middle, both? Yeah, I see it as all those things. Obviously, you know, I think the first initial use case, the most important use case is as digital cash. So this ability to transact peer to peer, nobody can see you transacting. They don't know how much you're sending. They can't censor it. It's extremely important. They can't stop that transaction. They can't surveil it. Uh, they can't confiscate your your Monero or your your crypto uh, once you send it to somebody or you know if you have it on on your person. Um, that's what I see as the like the, the killer app. You know that's what's most uh, that's what the breakthrough was. So this ability to through the internet send cash to somebody, like just like we do in the real world. Uh, nobody knows that you pass it along to somebody and they don't know how much, and which I think is an extremely powerful concept. It's basically, you know, free speech money, this ability to uh, transact without anybody stopping you. And that is a form of, I see it as a form of speech in itself. Um, and the investment arm, portion of it is really just a belief if you believe that 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 utility is something that will grow in value over time as more people use it as the network grows um, so that's what i see as being the investment angle so if you think there's uh, a purpose for digital cash and that it's here to stay and that eventually more and more people will start using it then sure then you should see it as an investment because probably it's going to go up in value if, if, if the network grows. I mean, we're talking about Metcalf's law. It just, it's just the, the natural thing that will happen. What, how did you stumble on Monero? Like, what was your crypto journey like? It sounded like you, you started maybe on Bitcoin because you didn't know what Bitcoin uh, entailed privacy-wise. So was there a discovery there for Monero? How did that go down? Yeah, 100%. So Monero is what I thought Bitcoin was. Um, I actually started with Dogecoin in like 20... <laughs> I remember the day. It was 2013 Christmas Eve. I didn't know anything about crypto. I had like seen like little news articles here and there and things about, you know, it's going up in value. And I just assumed Bitcoin was just an, some attempt at being digital cash, but that it was centralized, you know, because I, I was always interested in this concept of creating cash for the internet. And I just assumed without doing the research that, you know, Bitcoin was just another one of these attempts, but it was going to be shut down because it was centralized. I had no idea that they figured out how to make it decentralized system. Uh, I saw some article on this new thing, Doge, and, you know, uh, I was like, all right, maybe I'll, I'll take purely as more a gamble, not an interest in the technology. I want to turn 
fifty dollars into you know five thousand dollars. I'll go. I'll go buy fifty worth of Doge. And I went on Reddit, and uh, somebody I used PayPal, and they sent me the Doge. Like complete things you wouldn't want to do, and I don't even think people you can do today. And I stored it in an online wallet, which is like rule number one. Uh, I woke up the next morning and all my Doge was gone. Uh, it was the great Christmas hack of Doge. So anybody that's been in Doge from like day one will, will remember that day. And tons of Doge. Was, everybody's online wallets were, were fleeced. And I lost my $50 of Doge. But it was probably the best 50 I ever lost because I was like, there's no way that this technology that everybody's so excited about works in this way where you could just easily, like it just can get hacked and stolen. I'm like, there must be more to it. And that's what led me to Bitcoin, to read the Satoshi white paper, to understand if you know, if you hold your keys, you hold your coins. And it was a Eureka moment. I was like, wow, this actually is digital cash. And, you know, it took, it took another couple of, you know, took a, another year or so, or I don't know, it took a while. I mean, I was, a, I became a BTC maxi and people were saying, Oh, it's traceable. It's traceable. But you know, I was kind of, kind of ignoring it and not really grasping it until actually, until I went to start using my Bitcoin and actually giving it to my friends, sending it to my friends, you know, like, Oh, check out this Bitcoin thing, get a Bitcoin wallet. And as I'm doing it, I'm realizing they could just go look up my my wallet address and see how much Bitcoin I have because I sent them Bitcoin. I'm like, this is this is absurd. I'm like, this is not digital cash. And that was the eureka moment for me. And that's what led me on the search of something that would more closely uh, take on the, the attributes of digital cash. And that's where I, when I found Monero. Yeah. So a, a couple questions there that I have. First, and this is mostly, I guess, challenging. Um, I, I'm, I'm for the record, I do like Monero, but I do want to challenge um, if Monero is needed, because I know a lot of people who love Bitcoin think Bitcoin can accomplish pretty much everything that every other crypto can do. Can Bitcoin somehow be set up in a way to accomplish what Monero does? Yeah, I don't believe so. I think fundamentally, Bitcoin can never be Monero. Uh, it would require them to essentially adopt confidential transactions, which was invented by Bitcoiners, essentially, by you know some of the biggest brains behind Bitcoin. Uh, but they've clearly decided that they don't want to do that. Um, they've made different desi design decisions. And so it doesn't look like Bitcoin will ever become fungible on the protocol level. So it's always going to be on this transparent ledger. Now, there's things that can be done on the outside. You know, coins can essentially be mixed, but you're never going to create a truly fungible protocol where every unit equals every other unit. A Bitcoin is always going to have a transaction history that you can look at. Monero you don't have that transaction history just doesn't even exist. Bitcoin is never going to lose that transaction history. They can try to do things to mix it up and make it harder to detangle. Uh, but unless it fundamentally changes as a technology, uh, I don't think it will ever be able to uh, mimic digital cash. Very cool. Um, I think that that's what people need to hear. 
is that there's just some things that it would be extremely difficult for Bitcoin to ever achieve. And I guess that brings me to my next question, which is if I tweet something about Monero on Twitter and it happens to do well, right? Monero community is like, wow, we love this tweet. We're going to retweet it. It's going to do great. Um, before I know it, it's got 100 likes. And what happens next? The spam bots start kicking in. Um, and they're all like, Monero, you need to try this cryptocurrency. That's three times more anonymous than Monero. So why is Monero currently kind of the gold standard for a privacy coin? And is there any other project that you think competes with Monero or beats Monero? Yeah, so this is where I actually start to sound like a Bitcoiner, which is funny, right? Because, you know, some of the arguments that Bitcoiners make are absolutely correct, you know? So I do believe in this idea of first mover advantage and network effect, and that for some other technology to come along and replace it and do better than at it, then it, it's going to have to do essentially something, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, like 10x better, right? for to to replace right so like for a new facebook to come around and replace facebook for everybody to say all right i'm going to leave facebook and go over to some other social network it's going to have to do something 10x better because yeah. clearly 10x data breaches won't do it <laughs> <laughs> um so with bitcoin the the move from bitcoin to Mon monero there's some there's justification there there's a real difference right uh, you're going from a transparent ledger, a traceable currency, to one that's completely untraceable. To now go from Monero to maybe something that's newly invented, but is using some newfangled technology where it's even more anonymous, uh, is it really going to get you too far? It's like it already works as digital cash to say it's all right, it's even more cash-like. It's probably not going to put you over that hump. When you have real adoption uh, and network effect that's already taking place on Monero, it dwarfs any other privacy coin, coin in terms of actual use. Uh, if you look at the if you look at the transaction count of Monero versus you know shielded Zcash transactions, um, any of these other coins that are trying to do uh, the privacy coin thing, they're really just not even used. They're talked about. They try to it's more about getting people to buy it so it goes up in value. But go on the dark market, they're using Monero, or actually they're still using Bitcoin. Why? Because of the network effect. That just shows you how strong the concept of network effect is, that you still have people using Bitcoin on the dark markets when it makes no sense. Like you're taking a huge risk. Why? But it has network effect. So for people then... Monero has, has really carved into that space. It will uh, become the number one used coin on the dark market. Uh, and for something else to come, by, come, come, come about and replace it, it's just, it's just not very likely. It's the, the, the train has already left the station, so to speak. Yeah, um, and this is kind of a, a more technical question, maybe, but... Um... A lot of people seem to, I, I get this question a lot in our, in our comments, actually, anytime we bring up Monero, um, you always have people who would rather opt for Zcash, like the shielded Zcash transactions. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure you can elaborate on the defaults between uh, Monero and, and Zcash, which is already a big point of discussion. But how would a, also a shielded Zcash transaction compare to Monero on just a technical sense, obviously? assuming both parties are accepting both cryptocurrencies and the networking effect is out of the out of the question. 
Yeah, I mean, so the argument is that the anonymity set in a Zcash shielded transaction is much larger. Um, so, you know, comparing that to ring signatures, theoretically, uh, uh, an individual Zcash transaction has a larger anonymity set. But like you said, all you know, it's not private by default. This is something you have to opt in, opt into. Uh, I know they're they're moving in that direction, uh, but it's just not the case currently. Monero has always been private by default, and it always will be. So that makes a huge difference right there. So whether or not your individual transaction may, on a mathematical level, have a larger anonymity set, doesn't really matter when. You know, it's not when all transactions aren't private by default. Um, So that's kind of the, the, the simple answer there. And then another question we get about Monero, and this is the kind of thing that's like, you're trying to convince people who are already basing information on something that doesn't really exist, but is Monero compromised? And I know it's kind of a hard thing to debunk because there's not... It's not like we have much evidence to even base that on, but we do sometimes get people who say Monero's compromised, it's a honeypot. Um, what do you, and how do you respond to that? Yes, yeah, so my response to that is I'd be more concerned about something like a Zcash, for example, right? Which c- currently relies on a trusted setup. So you trust the fact that when it was set up, uh, that there was no, 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 you know, hanky panky that took place where, you know, those that set it up uh, essentially have a backdoor into it. With Monero, there's there's no backdoor concern because of the way the technology works. What you can do with Monero is it's open source. Uh, you look at the code, and uh, as long as you believe that the math is sound and that it was implemented correctly, and obviously, you know, it's it's not about trusting but verifying, uh, then that concern shouldn't be there now. I don't have the ability to go read the Monero code base and understand if it was implemented correctly. I don't have the ability to understand if the encryption behind it and the math behind it was done correctly. There is, so it is at the end of the day, there is some trust involved where you're trusting that because it's open source and because so many intelligent people are behind the project and looking at it, and you and you know the community is so large that with each day that goes by uh there there's less and less chance that it has been compromised in any way or that there's any flaw in the code or in the implement, implementation so sure there, there's no way to say for 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 certain that something isn't compromised but the fact that it's open source and is reviewed and can be reviewed by anyone that's that's where you get your your security from which is you know when i first got into bitcoin i had those same concerns you know i i didn't understand this stuff well enough i didn't how how am i going to trust you know i'm going to store ten thousand dollars in this thing and i could wake up the next morning and whatever for whatever reason it could just be extracted from my wallet right because somebody figured out how to essentially hack monero i mean hack bitcoin but over time we built trust to the point where that that question is, isn't even asked anymore. Uh, people just now believe because they they know that it's been looked at and verified. So uh, that that's that's what I would say. Just as time passes, more people look, more intelligent, you know, intelligent people look at it, review the code, and review the implementation of it. 
It's funny. That's the double-edged sword with like the whole open source community in general, right? It's uh, like, I, I guess the larger a project becomes, the more that the open source label actually matters. I don't think personally it means much when you have a tiny project with three stars on GitHub being open source. Like, yes, it's cool that they're coming forward and put publishing their source code. I think that speaks a lot to their character and it speaks to their values. But unless you're able to actually review the code yourself, and even if you are, you're you're not like the expert in everything in the world. So like the more people looking over the code, the more powerful open source becomes. So that's why I guess just to tie back into your uh, Monero being one of the first privacy coins uh you have the most people looking over it too which i think adds to its uh, power as well exactly just to inject some most, of my own thoughts there exactly <laughs> and the most time at which people have looked at it so you know somebody comes in and produces a, a better monero right like how, how many people have looked at it and how long has it been looked at for versus monero which has been around for a long time in, in crypto land yeah so i think that um Actually, before before we pivot to privacy, I do want to ask you a bit about what you do in the Monero space. So um, you manage your show, Monero Talk. What's it about? Monero Talk, it's uh, kind of similar to what we're doing right now. I, I, bring, I bring people on. Uh, I bring developers on that are working on Monero, people that are working on Monero-related projects. And every show relates to Monero in some way. Uh, it's really the pursuit of finding what the best version of digital cash that exists. I currently think that's Monero and I'm constantly questioning it and questioning those that are working on the protocol. Very cool. So if someone comes along with a Bonero and it's objectively better, would you rename your show to Bonero talk? <laughs> I guess, I guess I'd have to, I don't know. Maybe I'd, I'd keep the name as, as Monero talk and you know, uh, it would, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that they, I, I probably just retire actually. Well. <laughs> no, um, it's very cool though. Um, I, I listened to some of the talks. Um, Douglas actually had me on the Monero talk as well, which I can leave down in the description. Um, so if you want to see that interview and more of what you're seeing now, but from essentially inverted roles, um, there's that as well, but definitely go check out his stuff. Um, do you do anything else outside Monero talk? For Monero stuff? Yeah. So we have gratuitous that we started that's a company that we try to showcase one, you know, one of the digital cash use cases of, of Monero. Basically, we, we sell coffee. It comes from Guatemala and you can send tips in Monero that go directly to the workers on the farm. We went out down there. We taught them about Monero, gave them their own private keys. We have uh, Monero Topia, which you see behind me. That's another YouTube show we do. And that's more community based So Monero talk. I interview people one-on-one Monerotopia. We have anybody that wants to jump on from the community. And we talk about like kind of that week's news and we're throwing Monerotopia event. We can get into that, but those, those are kind we'll, of, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Those are kind of the main, main things I'm doing right now. Very cool. Sounds like you're very busy then. We are, we are. <laughs> Me and Sunita, she's behind the scenes. She actually, she's on Monerotopia. Uh, she helps out with that publicly. Uh, but she's always behind the scenes helping out with everything. But yeah, we we do a lot. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, and you also have a really nice community too, which goes along with most of the Monero community. I think that it's always been a very pleasurable experience. To pivot into privacy now, since we are ultimately a privacy and security community, 
How do you feel that privacy fits into the cryptocurrency world? And do you think, I guess, cryptocurrency is a necessity for people who care about privacy? Uh, yeah, well, Monero is, is private by default. Uh, I think any true cryptocurrency essentially should be. I think that should be the expectation uh, that when you use cryptocurrency, it is private. Um, anybody that's concerned about their privacy, that wants to maintain their privacy, especially in this ever-increasing digital world, is going to want to use a privacy-preserving cryptocurrency. Uh, there's going to be really no other way to transact value uh, and maintain your privacy unless you use a cryptocurrency. You're not going to be able to do it. Obviously, you can't do it for credit cards or Venmo or anything else. And then with that being said, you're going to have to use a crypto that's private by default. This whole, I, I realized I probably should have asked this sooner, but this whole talk, we've talked about privacy, why it matters. There was an implication that we care about privacy. Um so what are your greatest privacy concerns? And I guess, why, why do you value privacy? Yeah, for me, it's, it's really a, it comes down to a kind of philosophical thing. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not so concerned. I'm out here talking to you, right? I'm very much in public. You know, I ran for Congress. I'm like, I'm out there, right? So it's not like I'm hiding from society. A lot of people know a lot of things about me. But... What I don't want them to know is my thoughts, right? I don't think anybody wants that, right? We could we could start at that, right? You, know, you would you would you wouldn't want some technology to exist where they can read your mind, right? That's that's and, and why why don't why don't you want that? Because I think eventually I think that would lead to us no longer essentially being humans, being individuals. We lose our individuality. So I think. Privacy at its core allows us to maintain our individuality as humans. It's that privacy that gives us the ability to essentially be ourselves, uh, have our own thoughts, and to communicate in private so that uh, we could express what we want to express without being censored or without our speech being chilled. Essentially, I, Privacy preserves individuality is the way I look at it. Nice. Um, I, I pretty much, and I, I know we talked about this and, and when I was on Monero Talk, but I think we line up uh, pretty similarly similarly there, um, which makes sense considering, well, we both have semi-public personas. Um, so, yeah, it's a question that you probably get a lot too. I do. And, you know, it's it's more... The, pri the concern for privacy is, is a very real one now, given that we're all on the internet all the time, 24-7. And, you know, it used to be, uh, you know, we didn't have these devices in our pockets. It used to be very easy. You know, we took privacy for granted. Uh, you just walk around out in, the, out in the real world, and for the most part, your, your life was private. Uh, but now we have devices on our person that are rec essentially recording our every movement. Uh, when we're on the internet, everything we do is recorded. It can be tracked and traced. If not now, then in the future. It's a real, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a concern. It's a reality uh, that privacy has been lost. It's been completely 
degraded away from everybody and we have to fight to get it back and we have to use technologies uh where privacy will be guaranteed um i don't think it's it's no longer about asking governments to provide us the ability to to live private lives but it's about building technologies that we can use that will guarantee our privacy no matter what uh any corporation or government would like to do otherwise i think everyone's going to like that answer <laughs> um it's nice because i don't know and this is kind of the issue with uh echo chambers which every community technically is one to some extent, but uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is probably going to agree with everything you said. And so I guess the next challenge would be how do you convince those around you to also care about privacy? So um, what's that like for you? Do you have any luck convincing people around you to at least care a little bit more? Yeah, for me, I'm just in awe of people that don't, right? Like I, I so I, I'll be honest. I'm very, I'm very disappointed <laughs> In, in humanity with that regard, I, I just, you know, obviously you and I and probably everybody listening to this, find, you know, thinks it's an important thing. But there's so many people that just they're just they're really just not stopping to think about it. I think it requires some abstract thought. They 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 look at it and they're like, well, it doesn't really affect me. Right. I, I use the Internet. I go on Amazon. I buy my stuff. It's all convenient. Social media is great. You know, uh, Netflix, I got it all coming in. They, they just they see the convenience and they're not looking long term and seeing what it may potentially lead to. And when you talk about things like tyranny and whatever, people's eyes glaze over. They just kind of think you're, you're crazy. Right. Uh, a lot of people just think like, well, what, what are you, what are you so afraid of? Like, you know, we're not going to all be living in some weird techno tyranny. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm personally disappointed in the fact that people don't see it, but I do think that's changing. Unfortunately though, I think it's not going to really hit home until, until things get even worse than they already are. I mean, we saw, we saw it with COVID it's slightly related. There's a lot of things going on there where people's rights were being trampled and you have a lot, a big portion of society that was just okay with that. Uh, but that's starting to change now too. And I think there's going to be some seminal events that happen that start to open people's eyes. Maybe things like central bank, digital currencies, you know, once they actually, once you actually go to reach into your pocket and cash literally no longer exists. You know, that, that's the direction we're headed in where cash no longer exists. And all you're going to be able to do is transact with things like Venmo and credit cards or, or central bank digital currencies that the, that the government is going to uh, give you incentives to start using, essentially. This is the direction we're heading in. And then maybe once that happens, people may open their eyes and start to think, huh, what happened? Why, why could I, why, why is, you know... Why, you know, why can my, my bank account be automatically locked or, you know, why are taxes just automatically extracted from, from my, my income without me even, uh, you know, telling the government how much I think I owe or, you know, it's going to be events like those, unfortunately, are going to have to take place to, that open people's eyes. Uh, us running around and telling people that, that it's coming, um, I'm going to continue to do it. But unfortunately, I don't think people will get it until it slaps them in the face. It's the unfortunate reality. Yeah, it is. 
And I think uh, it's kind of a, I don't actually like that question very much because it's something I get a lot. And I think people think there's some magic bullet. Oh, yeah, I, I get people who care about privacy around me because I tell them this one thing. YouTubers hate them for this one reason. And it's like, no, there's not like a single sentence you can say to someone to just make them care. It's a very individual process. And I think it's a very um, like, how do you get someone to care about freedom of speech? You know, it's a very personal thing for each person. And that it, that kind of globally accepted right that we that we've put out for ourselves is still something that is a very personal thing. That means a lot of different things to different people. Aside from Monero, what are some of your favorite privacy tools? Well, I, so here, so here's where you know I I kind of like reveal myself as, you know, I I don't have the best opsec. I have probably horrible opsec. Um, I like privacy tools that are super easy to use. Essentially, that just happen. You know, it's a, where I don't have to take steps. So I don't know. I might get some some pushback on this, but like iPhones are iPhones are, are, are pretty good uh, at maintaining your privacy if you use them in the right way. Obviously, browsers, right? So you have like DuckDuckGo. So that, that's that's pretty simple. Or the Tor browser, something you just open and, and use. For anybody listening, one of the reasons why I, I like Monero so much is because it's just a way to gain a ton of privacy in a major sector of your life, which is the way you spend your money uh, just by opting into it and starting using it. I think a lot of the other parts of your life, uh, it's really hard to maintain privacy with just like using one tool here, one tool there especially the way you use the internet. Like, I, you know, you could be using a VPN, but you're probably doing five other things incorrectly. I'm, I'm hesitant to start trying to use all these tools because I just feel like I'm not going to do it well enough anyway. So I, what I love about Monero is I know if I just do it, at least I know all my transactions, that huge chunk of my life, which is how I spend and hold my money. I know it's working and it's all, all completely a black box. Every other aspect of my life, I feel like even if I use the privacy tools we have, it's not, it's going to kind of be for naught because you can track and trace in every other way. That's, that's, that's my take, which is, uh, I know it's, it's not the most inspiring, but it's, it's, it's the way I look at things. Yeah. And I think that's valid. Um, I don't know. I do like to challenge it though, a little bit too, because at the end of the day, the further you are from what the average person is doing, the better protection you have. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that those small steps matter. And it's something that when I've had to work with clients, um, a lot of a lot of people have that mentality too, which is, I think, a pretty normal mentality to have, um, mostly because it seems like no matter how much you do, there's still going to be one more thing that can be used to track you. But with a lot of people, it's, it's convincing them like, no, like you've taken like eight steps already. And all those steps, this improved your security from this attack, this improved your privacy from this, this improved your privacy from that. And like you start tying everything together and it's a massively improved it's a massively improved OPSEC for that individual. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really change your convenience that much after the initial setup. So I do challenge you uh, to uh, at least like implement some basic things like a search engine, a browser, and, and encrypted messaging, things like that. Yeah, like, like so Signal, you know, obviously, you know, if you could do all your chatting 
for signal absolutely why not um that that's a huge that's a very easy like an easy win uh using an encrypted messenger and we're at the point where most people that you chat with day to day have access to it now too and are willing to use it you know maybe a few years ago you tell people about something like signal they'll be like what i'll just send you a text yeah <laughs> um so yeah that that's a very low-hanging fruit that i that obviously all my all my messaging i do through you know uh, apps like that uh and yeah the browsing you know that's an also very low-hanging fruit easy thing to do then i think you're you're doing better than you give yourself credit for <laughs> thank you man thank yeah. you yeah um, so I actually thought this was fun. I got this idea while you were talking. I'm going to ask you for your favorite X, Y, Z. I have like six things, favorite this, favorite that. And you just got to tell me what they are. Just one word. Okay. Favorite crypto. Monero. Favorite wallet. Cake. Favorite messenger. Signal. Favorite VPN iVPN. Favorite browser? Uh, Tor. Favorite operating system? I use iOS. How about desktop? Uh, I just have a laptop. I just use iOS. Yeah. Favorite open source project? Monero. There you go. I like the answers. Yeah. Um... So I guess the last thing that I wanted to ask you about was um, Monerotopia, the event. So do you want to tell people what that's about? Uh, and also, I don't know, it's an exciting event. So just share what you want to share. Yeah, so it's just going to be a full day, very long day uh, from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. I think we might even start at 8 a.m. of Monero-related uh, talk. We're going to start the day off getting people just excited about the philosophy behind digital cash why it's important all these things we're talking about the the liberty ideas and then we're going to have a session on the the tech itself so we'll have developers talking about monero all the upcoming changes that are coming to monero in terms of technological developments uh then we'll have a session talking about the integrations that are happening with monero like atomic swaps bitcoin to monero atomic swaps eth to monero atomic swaps um we might have somebody from the secret network there. We'll probably have uh, Haven there, maybe Thor as well, all these other protocols that are now integrating with Monero. And then we're going to have uh, a section on privacy tech in general, which you're going to be a part of. And Seth, Seth is also a part of. And then we're actually going to have a uh, evening session, which we call the After Dark Speakers, which we're letting people kind of reg self-register i don't know we might we might shut that down soon because we can't have too many of them but people that are going to, that can self-register to be speakers themselves uh it's just allowing us to you know have a free speech conference for a free speech money protocol so we had we ran into some issues when we first launched this conference with you know who was going to be allowed to talk so we created this section of the conference that will essentially allow anybody to sign up themselves as long as they agree to talk about free speech money in some way and that should be interesting and, and experimental but it's going to be really good and then we're going to have drinks flowing every we're going to have vendors selling things for monero uh it should be should be very good should be a good time it sounds like an absolute blast and 
just to highlight, aside from all the amazing things that he just said and all the amazing speakers, I will be a speaker and will be there. My team will be there, Jonah and Tori, hopefully, as well as very likely Nathan from the New Oil. So you'll see a lot of familiar faces if you go. So we'll leave information on Monerotopia as well in the, in the description. So that should be a lot of fun. That's really the bulk of what I wanted to talk to you about today, Douglas. Um, so I got a few last, you know, a few little bullet points left. Any final things that you'd like to share with our community? Uh, no, man. I think, as I told you when you were on my show, I think you're doing an amazing job. Your question with, um, you know, how do you get people to care about privacy? Well, I think you've kind of figured out how to do that. Uh, you have a tremendous following. So much respect to you and the people that are following you. I think you're building a great, powerful community that's going to help get out the word about the importance of, of privacy technology. Thank you. That means a lot. And on, it, it goes back to you as well. I mean, you're, you're spreading a lot of good information on Monero and the community is just fantastic. And um, I think that a lot of people in our community would like the way that you run things as well. So definitely check out D Douglas's stuff. Um, and on that note, how can people find and reach you? I guess best way is Twitter. Douglas Tooman on Twitter. Monero Talk on Twitter. On YouTube, Monero Talk. Um, Tooman, not Truman. Tooman, not Truman, exactly. <laughs> That could be your next uh, campaign slogan. <laughs> I'll leave all that stuff in the description too, so you you all can uh, easily find it. And also, just check out the stuff. Like, come on, I'm putting it down there. Douglas took time out of his day to to come on this interview and share some great info with all of you. So the least uh, you all can do, I think, is go ahead and check out some of his stuff and see all the awesome work that he does. And also, especially check out Monerotopia. Um, the event that they're putting on in the next few months. He's putting a lot of hard work into it and there's going to be a lot of great people there and it should be a blast. So um, if you're down to go to Florida for, for a conference, that is definitely something you should consider doing. Um, yeah, I should say, you know, we kept the ticket prices super low. Uh, and if there's anybody that like really wants to go but can't afford it, but is like really into, you know, maybe you're a young guy or whatever, or you're, you know, reach out. Well, we'll I'll, I'll try to see what we can do to, to make it so you can come anyway. I mean, the idea this wasn't a this wasn't a, a make money conference. This is not your typical crypto conference, like people pumping stuff. This is there people talking about liberty, free speech, money, Monero tech. So if that's something that really interests you, you should definitely come on down and or reach out to me, and we can try to figure out how to help you uh, make it work. We just, we just want people in that room that are, that are interested in, in the tech. There you go. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so unless there's any final things you want to say, Douglas, I think uh, that's it for the interview. No, Matt, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate this. No, and thank you for, and thank you for being here too. Um, we will likely see each other in person very soon, and hopefully um, many of you will be able to join us. Thanks for coming on, Douglas. Cheers, man. <laughs>